expression would be totally flat. Like, mm-hmm. I'm in control. I know exactly what I'm doing. And I'm manipulating you. And mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with it. He's totally speechless. And I don't want to say at this point. And she goes, 50 bucks. I win. And then cutscene. This is disturbing. Welcome to episode 8 of the 20-digit Scene Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, David, and I have your Alex, my other co-host. Hi. So it's episode 8, and every every week we take a scene each and we review them, share it, uh, share some of our thoughts and insights, so this week is no different. Since we are 8, we're even, I believe that's me, since I'm not the odd one. <laughs> so today, uh, what I've decided to share is none other than one of Netflix's probably criti- critically acclaimed TV series, Peaky Blinders, uh, in the genre of uh, crime, gangster, whatever you, you want to call it. Always a pleasure, I'm sure, for many viewers, many watchers, any, many, many followers. Uh, Peaky Blinders, I think, is one of my favorites. It's incredibly violent at times, however. So those that are a bit squeamish, I would probably not recommend it. However, those that uh, don't mind it, the acting is unbelievable. Cillian Murphy uh, takes point on this, amongst some other amazing actors and actresses. And the cinematography is one to note almost every possible scene. And uh, it's it, there's so much to pull from from this uh, TV series, but I decided to pull something from, I believe it's uh, season four or season four, episode three. Yeah, and I believe that's right. So it's a scene that takes place between one of my favorite characters in this entire series is Polly Gray, which is played by the unfortunately the late Helen. McCrory, who just unfortunately passed away um, to cancer, which is uh, really a lost talent. She was one of my favorites by far. Um, What I really liked about this scene, uh, which takes place in a bar, she's negotiating with uh, obviously a rival gang member called Luca Cengreta, who's also played by an amazing actor, Adrian Brody. Um, But why I wanted to bring this scene to light, it takes place in a bar... Um, they're negotiating. She's offering up um, uh, Celine Murphy's character uh, in exchange for the other boys to be safe. So obviously she's tr- seemingly doing some double double crossing uh, with her own family. She's the aunt of the other boys that she's talking to. Um, but I, I wanted to bring this scene up because Polly Gray's character is not your classic kind. You know, she's uh, portraying a late 40s, early 50s character, which is actually sort of the, the age group uh, for women that is not normally um, cast. There's not much written about that age group and above, actually. Um, actresses that, that start getting to that age group start disappearing because there's no roles that are written. And I I lo- absolutely adore the fact that the writer has incorporated Helen McCrory, uh, Polly Gray's character, into this. I like the fact that at her age she's sultry she's sexy she's powerful um and she's charismatic all in one and it's incredibly defined in this role where she's negotiating uh with um luca cengreta and Brody does a spot on um you know american gangster that 
is uh, negotiating with um, the Shelby family, which is actually, so this series, just to kind of back up a little bit further, is actually based loosely on the Shelby crime family that uh, that took place in Birmingham, England, uh, back in the 1920s. Um, so a period piece, love the period, um, the stylish costuming, the music. As she's rolling up the stairs in the beginning of the scene, you know, it's some cool jazz that's happening. Um, the waiter asks her, you know, is there anyone joining you because you're not allowed to stand by the bar as an only woman? And and she answers so coyly, you know, what do you think? <laughs> Am I going to be here on my own? And then, you know, obviously the banter ensues between her and Adrian Brody, and it's just an amazing set of... Uh, it's it's the ending scene of the episode, and I just one thing I really took note of is is the way the music softly crescendos in the background as their banter goes back and forth. And that end line that Adrian Brody says, you know, he asks her, you know, do you want to dance? And she's like, no, you know, I don't, I no longer dance. And of course, it's it's, it's beautifully acted as they're as they're exchanging this banter. And then as she walks away, he drinks his his uh, his his drink, and then at the end goes, "You're dancing with me." <laughs> and then he he says it with a, a bit of a smile, but then he he loses that smile to show sort of the almost like a play on a figure of speech. In fact, because you know, dancing with the devil, if you will, and he he kind of plays that um, plays that role incredibly well. Uh, so anyway, I just wanted to bring this one up because everything about this scene. I think it's a, it's such a stylish. I love this period, and and just the way the, the the scene unfolds, the music, how it switches in the middle. I think that's key to making how the mood changes as they're as the exchange moves forward, and and the acting on both accounts are. Uh, I could watch it over and over again. So yeah. anyway, yeah, for sure, good stuff. Um, definitely, uh, it it uh, it played out at a at a nice kind of. Andante pace or something where it's yeah. it's it, they're just slowly unfolding and it, it all the richness of, of of the writing of the cinematography of the set of the of the music and everything and, and letting you uh, savor every morsel so to speak as a, as a viewer you know, definitely a great pick and and yeah I, I really liked how the act both actors were just on point with with their delivery and their their expression and the cadence of their speech no they're not really hurrying but they're just yes exactly delivering their lines yeah, yeah. of of yeah. with so much confidence and you know so much style like, too you know yeah, it's just yeah. and charisma and you know there's that quiet confidence and as i said i, I just love Polly Gray's characters you know that 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 age group of women is almost like you know the bermuda china that doesn't exist and uh, it, it's it's such a pleasure to watch um, her in, in the entire series. She's not a no, like not a crazy, you know, sort of a stereotypical um, leader in a woman's role, and she has uh, every much to do with um, the, the growth and development of the Shelby crime family, and has her role and plays it beautifully. But I think the key word you use there is pacing. You know, it's not rushed. It's you know. She, you know, a question is asked. She shifts. She takes off her shawl, right? Or she, you know, at the end, she puts the shawl over her shoulders. Basically, no, I'm not dancing with you because you know she had, in the beginning of the scene, she takes off her shawl to to look, you know, provide that sort of more of a a sexy sort of uh, as she walks up the bar, and then 
he goes, well, you want to dance? And she says, no. And then she takes that shawl, puts it over herself, covers herself. And then she just, you know, coyly says no. Right. So it's just, I don't know, there's just so many subtleties. And Adrian Brody is just, I mean, arguably some people may think that it's, you know, more of a stereotypical gangster, almost godfather-like uh, <laughs> performance. And you can certainly see that, but he just is so good. The way he just, that accent, you know, yeah, uh, the American accent just coming into play. It's just, oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and, the, and the writing, too. There was just a lot packed into it. And I have not seen this series, yeah. right? And so yeah. without the context of whatever happened in the previous series uh, seasons or even the episodes in this season, uh, you know, it, there was just a, a lot to unpack and, and try to, to decipher as, as, some, as a new viewer coming into it. And you could tell, even if I if someone had seen those things, there's just probably like six to 10 references of, of, of people, of places, of relationships, of, of inferences that, sure. that are, are packed into the, into the lines. As it was rich. Yeah. There's the, and the, 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 the acting quality in the, in the entire show is, is unreal. Like you have so many, I mean, well, I haven't even talked about, you know, Tommy, who, who, she, who she's referring to, uh, who's 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 the leader of the of the Shelby organization and Cillian Murphy? Oh my God! Like unbelievable performance. I in almost every scene he steals, and so and, and, and but what's beautiful about it in this particular case is that the selection of the villains is, you know, you know me and villains, right? <laughs> <laughs> a, a villain needs to be it needs to be convincing. He or she needs to be uh, as good or as bad, let's just say. And you know, in this case, Adrian Brody just oh, plays a plays that villain so well. And yeah, I just it just yeah, I couldn't. There's just so many scenes to pick, but I definitely wanted to pick one with Polly Gray in it. Even that one delivery where she says she's talking about the brothers. You know, one of them I can't remember the youngest. I forget the for, it's escaped me a little bit that the youngest son she says something then she says Arthur he tries oh no she says something like the youngest son is is a good boy and then she and then he, she says to the middle brother Arthur tries and then her expression changes when she says Tommy's just different it's just this, it's just a simple line but it's it's just the way it's done it's so beautiful and the, and I love that line where Andrew and Brody starts talking about his mother and he says yeah. he was right to you know he was right to to want to kill her because she's just so ruthless like it was just a bad <laughs> line for him to say that you know um it's just he was he was he was right in her in his ruthlessness or something like that and it's it was just it's such a bad line because he's talking about his mom right <laughs> oh my gosh. A, yeah but it's it's uh it's so well done so well done so much to pick from again i'm going to definitely be going back to this this series at some point i'm going to be picking off another another scene but uh, i wanted to share that with you and if you if you do like crime type drama I strongly recommend it i will say though there, there are times where it's a bit violent but it's okay. the acting is is incredible scene to yeah, scene I recommend it yeah so what do you have for what do you have for us to this this week all right this week uh, my pick is from uh, the TV series found on Netflix called New Amsterdam, um, season two, episode five. Now, the unfortunately, because of the way 
that uh, these kind of shows uh, go. They're trying to interweave like three storylines or something all in the same episode. And so they continually cut from, from one to the other and back again and so forth. So in the show notes, I'll have the timestamps of interest for this, the scene I'm be thinking of. And there, there are at least four clips, but you want to watch at least the last two of them to get the full context. So I'll walk through the uh, kind of the, the back story of, of what's going on here. So family comes in and uh, into the ER and it, it's two parents, um, uh, younger brother and older sister. And it turned, and what's being reported is that the older brother has uh, been strangled or something to that effect, you know. Mm. Um, and the, the doctors are just trying to ask questions, okay, what really happened so that they can um, provide the most appropriate treatment. And it turns out as, as the story unfolds that um, they begin sus being suspicious of what the parents are reporting happened. Um, and then they actually even separate the parents and kind of not really interrogate them, but question them as to okay, what happened. But they had questioned them separately with the deliberate intent of trying to co uh, see if the stories corroborate right. properly right. with each other. And so eventually it turns out um, that they find it was, it was actually the older sister that had mm. hurt her brother and the younger brother. And so, uh, they turn over these this situation to um, head of psychiatry in the in the hospital. Doctor Iggy Frome is the character's name, and uh, he talks with the, the the sister for a short while, and then he talks to the person who's um, handling the case, and he and he says, "Well, based on what I've seen, uh, this person is presenting as uh, callous, unemotional, callous, unemotional." How old's the older sister? Just she's like, the... right. So for the viewer's sake, this she's yeah. quoted as being eleven years old. Oh wow! Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. right. So if you can imagine, um, yeah, obviously an issue at any age for any any children to be harming one another. But that what I brought this scene to light because um, just kind of the shock factor or the disturbance factor mm -hmm. of how mm -hmm. wow, this is this is a kid that can kind of do this and even to her own brother never mind just some kid that was bullying her on the schoolyard or something but to her own brother and so callous and emotional what the, the doctor can begins to explain is that somebody just kind of doesn't feel remorse doesn't feel empathy to other people um and just goes through life sort of selfishly just gets what she wants and doesn't care and she'll do what it takes so if it's going to hurt people doesn't care so in this case, she wanted to get at the phone of her brother, you know, just kind of a typical child want or something to, to play a game or what have you. But in in getting to do that or want in so doing, she harms her brother just for the sake of it to the point of nearly strangling him to death. This is what was found out. And so the scene uh, continues and she's in the doctor's office where um, he he's like okay. He, he had previously spoken to to the person who's, who's uh, taking handling the case, and he said, okay, we can't just um, send her to jail or something. So here, let me let me try this because I have heard that callous and emotionals you can't you can't get them to feel shame or guilt or remorse or something, and so that isn't going to work. But there have been studies where there's been success with um, getting on, on a on a reward system where. We're trying to encourage them to do such and such behavior by offering a reward for that behavior. So in this case, you know, uh, first of all, stop hurting your brother. And second, like, um, 
apologize to him. And so the scene goes where she, he, he goes, all right, I'm let's play a game, he presents to the 11-year-old. Um, if, if you win this game, you get these Iggy Bucks. And so he's trying to, his because his first name is Iggy, Iggy from Dr. Iggy from. So you get these Iggy Bucks, and then the Iggy Bucks, she's like, well, what's the point of that? And he, and he goes, well, the Iggy Bucks themselves aren't really worth anything, but with them, you'll be able to buy what you actually want. And then he shows her the phone that she's been wanting. And then uh, you can see the character, like her eyes light up with interest. And well, yeah, that is the thing that I want. So she's like, okay, I'm in. And then um, he tries to say that if you apologize to your brother, you can win right away. You know, if you get a big apology and you apologize sincerely, then you will um, get, the, get the phone. Uh, but this is where it's super interesting because the character just turns it around, and it's it just it's very disturbing to the viewer the way she does it. How, and the the child actress really plays the part quite well, and, and pulls off the lines where he asks her, um, she, no, she asks him rather. You know, oh, okay. So she's, you can see the, the wheels turning in her head on the expression on her face. So if I if I apologize, then I get Iggy Bucks. Well, would a small apology work? And she's like, okay, yeah, because he set the, the quote-unquote prize cost at 50 Iggy Bucks. And it's like, okay. And he's like, he's thinking in his head, okay, small steps. Let's make some progress with the, with the patient instead of making a big demand at first. It's like, okay, no problem. A small apology will get you 10 Iggy Bucks. She's like, okay. And then she turns and like she sees something on his desk and she insults him about it or insults the thing uh, because he says like, oh yeah, that was uh, the thing that one of my children made me. And then she's like, is your child stupid or something? And it, you know, it, the scene continues with that, that kind of insulting and, and like psychological harm, so to speak. And the doctor's taken aback. And again, the viewers, it's, it's pretty shocking to watch just uh, like an 11 year old <laughs> acting this way. Right. And then she takes the 10 Niggy bucks and, you know, proceed that, loop that over five times so she gets the 50. And increasingly, the doctor's just more flustered, doesn't really know how to respond and what to do because of just how severe and extreme this, yeah. this callous unemotional is coming across. And it, it finally culminates on the fifth one where she spits in his face literally, like with mm. the saliva there and everything. And, you know, he's totally speechless. There's nothing I want to say at this point in the, in this, in the episode at any rate. Um, and she goes, 50 bucks, I win. And, right, and then cutscene. So it's, it's just really disturbing. <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess that's why you picked this. It's more the, the disturbing content. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is probably maybe a stretch of the truth, but I, I imagine that it's maybe some truth. Maybe there are patients that are that, that young uh, that exhibit this behavior. I mean, and and I think that's the reality of that. Probably is uh, what what is what is probably weighing on your shoulders as you watch it. Yeah, it's uh, that's certainly the case for me. Usually, these shows have some some form of truth, even if it was a a teenager or an adolescent or an adult. It's um, scary, scary stuff to see. And and you're right, the actress was very good with her delivery. It didn't seem like she was out of her depth at all when she was talking through it. Um, so they did, they did a great job there. Yeah. Yeah. The way the actress just, you know, would, would feign kind of 
quote unquote sincerity. And then just her face expression would just be, would just right. be totally flat. Like yeah. I'm in control. I know exactly what I'm doing and I'm manipulating you and yeah. I don't have a problem with it. And that was just on her face and she, she delivered it really well. Yeah. It's like, why do you do it? Because I can. <laughs> it's easy. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Scary yeah, stuff. Like I can't imagine what, how would you even just deal with it? Whether as, as the psychiatrist or as a, as a teacher or as your parent, as the parent, like how would you even begin to deal with it? Well, I think that's, you know, what's interesting here is that the parents initially, I guess, in the lead up of the scenes, uh, tried to take the blame, right? They tried, mm-hmm. they tried to protect her in the end, not realizing that by doing that, they, they don't really, they don't really help the situation, but it kind of emphasizes the fact of, you know, what a, what a parent would do for a child, regardless of the outcome sometimes. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty shocking stuff. Like, what would you do? I mean, if one of your children was like that, I don't know. That'd be, that'd be a tough one. Yeah. So yeah, the, the Dr. Ephraim is probably my favorite doctor character on, on the show okay. because he has a number of scenes where it's just, this character shows a lot of empathy and, and care and, and sincerity and just really wants to help people. And what else, I think there's even a, a situation later where it, his wanting to care so much as has a negative effect on, on him or his career. Mm, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. I've heard of this because I am Amsterdam now because perusing through the library of Netflix, I, by default, I see it, but, uh, why is it called Amsterdam now? I'm just curious. New Amsterdam. I think oh, New Amsterdam. Sorry. The sorry. Yeah. yeah it's the name of the hospital. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah, got it. Okay. Cool. Well, a nice pick for sure. Uh, so we're at eight. That's impressive in itself. And I got many more. I had, I had four on the short list actually, but I wanted to do something a little bit different. I wanted to make a point of uh, showcasing Helen this week. Because uh, the late Helen now, unfortunately, but uh, I definitely want to put a limelight on uh, on that or put a spotlight on that because she definitely deserves any sort of acclaim. I think she's done a few Harry Potters too. She's done a lot, so yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay, so we're, that's a wrap. You got your pick for next week or what? Uh, no, so I'll give it some thought. <laughs> cool. All right, well, thanks again. Thanks, everyone. As always, the show notes will have additional details for you to read if you so choose to. And we look forward to talking again next week. Take care. Thanks again, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can email us at scenereview at 20digit.com and find us on YouTube by searching for 20digit productions. And we're 20digit on Twitter and Instagram. Note that our website and all our online IDs are spelled with numbers, 20-D-I-G-I-T. Thanks for listening to the 20-Digit Scene Review Podcast.